Good morning. Good to see you. My name is Dan. I'm not going to get all your names right now, maybe later. Um, I'm glad that you're here. Today is, is kind of a different day for us, being able to just celebrate uh, in communion. Really just kind of hit the pause button on the normal flow of teaching schedules and, and just to be able to sit as, as the body, be able to sit as brothers and sisters. I call you, I call you brothers and sisters because I believe that you have entered this space today with a desire to experience God. That's what I believe about you. That's what, that's what when, I, when I look out in, in a room and, and I see people that gather at, at a church, uh, then I, I have to believe that you didn't show up to check something off the list. I believe that you showed up because you wanted to experience God. And I hope that today, as, as we come to God with that confident hope, with that expectation, that that's just not a, a pipe dream, it's not just a want, it's not something to check off, it's not something um, that is about me or you as an individual, but I hope that that is something that is, is about the glory of Jesus Christ, that it, it's about the body of Christ, that it is about communion and fellowship and and communion is is more than just a sacrament regardless of what tradition you kind of grew up in or 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 what you've been taught about communion communion isn't just you know like um christian snack time you know um all right i'm gonna walk up and and get my my cracker and my juice like we did in um in kindergarten you know um, we're gonna throw out some mats and maybe have a nap time a little quiet time you know listen to god it's, it's a whole lot more than that. Communion isn't just about the, the tangible, the material, the physical. It isn't just about the cracker. It isn't just about the juice. Communion is, is life. Communion is, is fellowship with God. Communion is uh, breathing in the Spirit of God and, 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 and experiencing His love for us. That's what communion is. It's a whole lot more than than just an experience in a moment. But it is a touch point. It is a place that it is a gift from God that He's given us, that Jesus gave us to just be able to, to have something physical that represents something that's going on spiritually. Communion is, is about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Really giving God the free reign. You know, we, we come here, we want to experience God and sometimes that, that looks like, God, I want to receive from you. That's a wonderful, that's a wonderful thing. In this, in this relationship with God, that, that knowing that God wants you. Knowing that God, God's love is for you. That God it looks on you as his creation and says, you're my beloved. Maybe no one has ever spoken those words to you before. But God would say to you this morning that, you're his beloved. His creation, his handiwork, his masterpiece. We're going to look at some verses in Ephesians chapter 4 that kind of hinge on this whole idea of, of this whole truth of, of God's love. But as we prepare our hearts for communion, we really, 
you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a journey. It, it's something that, that we have to say, all right, God, I'm just going to acknowledge, I'm just going to confess that, that I call you Lord, I call you Savior, I call you lover, but there's still pieces of my life that, well, there, there's still a gap, there's still a distance there's still things that I need to overcome, that I want to overcome. There's, there's still areas of my life that when I look inside of me, I see things that are not like you. And, and this, is, this is the wrestling, okay? This is, this is where we have this opportunity to really experience the grace, the lavish, unconditional love, the, the glorious hope of what God has called us to. If we bypass it, if we, if we go around it, then we, then we miss communion. We miss fellowship with God. We miss, we miss the intimacy with Him. If we, if we just go, oh, well, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, sing a, I'll sing a couple songs, or I'll, I'll participate, and, and, and then I'll walk out. But we, but we never really have the intimacy with God, like the, the confession, the repentance, the desperation we feel the desperation in our lives. We feel the desperation, the lack of peace that goes on in our hearts. We, we, we feel the desperation all around us, the struggle in relationships, the desire for purpose and calling and achievement, all of these different longings. But I, I believe that by showing up today that we say that all of that is subject to the grand obsession Jesus, knowing him and letting him be the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, giving him the, 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 the greatest place of affection in our hearts and our minds. It's easy to talk about. It's even easy to, to kind of do in some sense, but it's not easy to be. It's not easy to, to look into the eyes of another person and say, you know, hey, I, I'm a sinner. I, I need strength. I have so far to go. I need you to love me like Christ loves me. That's what we proclaim when we enter this room. You're not alone in that. We are all in that same boat in the, in the space of needing Christ. That is our confession. That is, that is, that is what communion is proclaims is that we need Jesus. It's proclaiming his death that gives us life. And these verses in, in Ephesians chapter 4, Mark's been, Pastor Mark has, has talked about them a couple times. We've been all around them in, in different verses in Ephesians as we've talked about you know, being equipped and encouraged and edified. And they all kind of flow out of some of the things that, that, that we're called to be. Not just to do, but to be, to live as Christ lives through us. But before we get to that, it, it starts out with this, this word, therefore. Whenever you're, you're kind of going through the Bible and you find these hinge words, you need to make sure you understand what the therefore is there for. You need to look at it, you know, you do, we do these things sometimes, you know, all right, God, I don't, I don't know what you want to speak to me today, but God, I know I need you, you know, and just... Flip open, you know, and uh, you start reading out of Ezekiel. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, wheels spinning inside wheels and cherubim and se- what? God, I, I don't know. Maybe let me, let me try again. That wasn't a holy turn. Let me, let me get that. There. 
By your spirit, God. Here we go. All right. Now, now this is, this, here it is. This is ready for some good stuff, God. Speak to me. Let death stalk my enemies. Let the grave swallow them whole, alive. Uh, that's not really what I was feeling, God. I'm, um, we, we kind of get the, I, we desire for the intimacy. We, got, we want God to speak into our lives. But sometimes we just, we don't really spend the time to get the context. Sometimes we don't, we don't go to it and go, I'm going to go on this intentional journey. I'm going to find out what God wants to say to me. I want to find out what God's work is in the world. So when we start diving into these, these verses in Ephesians chapter 4, it starts out with, with therefore, but, but the, the, the therefore is just like this hinge that all of the rest of it is, is dependent upon all of these things that Paul just finished saying in chapter 3 in verses 16 through 21 is kind of the, the area that I want to focus on and just let these... Let these words just kind of wash over you. This is the prayer of Paul to, to the church at Ephesus. This is the prayer of, of a father, of a spiritual father who is, who is longing for his children to have deep intimacy with Christ. This is what he says. I pray that from God's glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ that was too great to fully understand. Then, you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. All of these things are hinging upon this this love, this unconditional love. The fullness of Christ revealed. The power of Christ by His Spirit given to us as a down payment. Hey, I'm not leaving you orphans. I have adopted you. I have put my Spirit inside of you. You might know that I am real, that I am alive, that I am true, that I am desperately in love with you as a father. And then Paul gets into these these verses in Ephesians, Therefore, now, now Paul starts out, he just, he's got this, this kind of street cred of he's writing from prison. He's writing um, in, a, in, a, in a dark place, in a, in a damp place, in an alone place, and yet he's overflowing with joy because he knows communion, because he knows the intimacy of God. And in this place he writes, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body and one Spirit just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all 
and living through all. I just kind of want to spend a little bit of time just jumping into this, dissecting this a little bit, because this is, this is the be. This is what we're called to be, not what we're called to do as some kind of, as some kind of exercise, but it's something that, that we're called to be as something that's going to flow out of us when, but therefore, when we, when we experience and live in the love of God. I'm not sure where, where you're at this morning in, in, the, in, in experiencing and encountering the love of God. When you woke up this morning and saw the monster in the mirror, you know, when you did the breath test, or, oh, you know, when, when, you, when you looked at yourself and didn't see something that you thought was attractive or something that you desired to make more beautiful, something less than appealing to you and knowing that even in those moments, in all of your glory, that Christ is looking at us, that God is looking at us and saying, my beloved, I'm calling you to, to, to identi- be identified by me. I want to tell you who you are. This is what communion is. This is what communion does. This is, this is the, the communion with God. It's the vertical. It's getting right with him. So before we go to the table, we make sure that we, that we judge ourselves, that we spend time going, all right, there, there is a gap between me and God. There is a need. I try, to, I try to push it back. I try to avoid it at times. I try to deny it. I try to give myself the pep talk, you know, hey, I'm good enough and, and I'm smart enough and I'm good looking enough and people like me. But there's those times where we just have to be honest and just go, you know what? Like, it really doesn't matter whether people like me or not. It really doesn't matter whether somebody else thinks that I'm beautiful or whether, the, whether I am appealing to someone else because my worth is not found in them. My worth is found in my God, my Creator. The vertical. There's also the, the horizontal because our communion in God's design is not just with Him, but, but with each other. So as we sit here, you know, and as we proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we can't deny loving each other. As we go to the table when we're ready to, to proclaim Jesus Christ's body broken and His blood spilled and, and me standing pure before God, because for that distance, before that gap that I identify, the distance between where I think um, I'm okay, I think I'm good, I think I'm in God's will, and then all of these things that, that I think I'm, I'm still far from Him in that gap. If you kept re- reading in, in Ephesians 5, that gap is covered by the grace of God. God looks at us and Ephesians 5 tells us that He sees us already seated in heaven that he sees us clothed in Christ's righteousness, that he, when he looks upon you as his creation, as a believer in Christ, that he doesn't see how far you have to go. He sees the glory of Christ. That should bring some joy. That should bring some peace. That is the glorious hope. That should bring some truth. That should echo into other areas of our lives so that we don't sit in condemnation in our own minds or in the voices of other people as they tell us who we should be or who we shouldn't be. Communion has to, has to be right with God and, and, and it has to be right on this horizontal plane with each other. There's people in this room that you, probably, you might feel alone. 
You walk into a room and there's 200 people in here, but you think, I am so alone. Nobody knows me. Your God knows you. And he calls each and every one of us to challenge each other in our faith by saying, and you should love me too. And I need you to love me. There's people in this room that, that feel completely isolated in a room of lovers. And communion is our time not only to be right with God, but it is, it is a time to remind us, to put us in remembrance that on this horizontal plane of loving each other, that we must do this. We must be this. We must let God love through us. You know, it's easy when we go home and, you know, I, when, I, when I love my kids, you know, when I, when I pray for my children, J.L., Elijah, and Aria, or when I love my wife, or when I go to work and certain people know me as, as, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, it's real easy, I work at E3. <laughs> Surrounded by these people in this, little, in this nice little bubble. But when I walk into Red Eye Midtown or when I drive down the street, there's challenges all around me. When I have conversations with people who don't know who I am and I have the opportunity to present and, and to show, well, what is my life about? Do I reflect the glory of God? Am I in communion and fellowship with Him so that, so that what comes out is when I get squeezed is that I ooze the love of God? Or do I ooze frustration or, or bitterness or anger? Lousy driver. Jumped in line in front of me. These kinds of things that, that show us our hearts. Paul says, therefore, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. The calling is, figuratively is, 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 is this invitation. It's the will of God, the, the purposes of God, but it's this invitation. You are invited to have intimate relationship with God. You're invited to be part of his family. And then he says, these are the things that we should be, always be humble. Humble is not a highly valued thing out in our world. Oh, you're such a humble, no, you're good at controlling a situation. Good job. That's something that's valued. You really got people in line, discipline, that, that's valued. You know how to, how to, how to bring about success. Okay, good job. But, but humility is not something that is greatly valued. We say it's valued. But the things that we actually invest in, the things that we celebrate, and the things that we praise oftentimes in our world don't proclaim that humility is a great virtue. But Jesus says humility is a great virtue. And he, and he lived it out. The God of heaven who can take all, who has all rights, and he steps off the throne of heaven and he puts on flesh and he becomes like us so that we can become like him. And he says, I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to show you how to be. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. This long-suffering, this, this forbearance, this, this very active form of love. Sometimes we're looking for God's will. Like, All right, God, I, want the, I got the invitation. I want the calling. What's the next step? Where am I supposed to go for work? Who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to go to school? 
Who's supposed to be my roommate? All of these things, these waiting, we're waiting patiently. But patient waiting, being patient is, is, is active. It's intertwining with God. It's, it's communion and fellowship with God that as we walk with him, he leads us step by step into his purposes, into his will, into his design. As we have a relationship with him, then he, he moves with us and breathes with us and, and, we, and we walk alongside of him. Communion. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. This is a tough one. It's these it's words that mean to hold yourself up against something. We use it like this. I got my back up against the wall. I can't do anything. I'm between a rock and a hard place. And this is, this is Jesus' picture here of you need to hold yourself up against. You need to move into the areas of brokenness and be the hand of healing. You have the opportunity to make allowance for each other's faults. You don't like the way that they smell. I'm sorry. You don't like the way that they talk. You don't like how prideful they are. It's probably just revealing how much you hate your own pride, but you never give yourself the ability to express it. So you have to take it out on other people. I've done that. Make allowance for one another's faults. See the gap in yourself and and let God move in and through that to give other people grace because of your love. Communion is this word that means, means love feast, koinonia. As we come to the table, it's not just a feast on, you know, flour or, you know, we have a gluten-free Jesus option this morning because we love some of our brothers and, and, and sisters in Christ who are intolerant. We're making allowance. But it isn't just about the material. It's, it's about, you know, it's about the relationship. And Jesus himself even went so far as to say, hey, if, you, if you're not making allowance for each other's faults, if you come to the altar to worship God and you know that there is a brother or a sister, a father or a mother, a friend who has something against you or you have something against, then leave your gift at the altar and go and be made right with them. Bring peace. Be the peacemaker. Be the reconciler. Be the hand of God. Be humble. Be gentle. Be lovely. And then after you've done that, whether or not they received it doesn't matter. After you've done that, then come back holding nothing back and and praise God and worship God. Maybe... Maybe there's some of us in the room that need to do that today. Maybe we, maybe we want to be so okay with God, but we realize that we're, we're not actually in fellowship with God because we're not being like God. And here's our opportunity to be obedient, to commune with him on an entirely different level of letting him lead us and guide us, let us serve him. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. Make every effort it's used to use speed. Move quickly. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Move quickly. Make every effort. Be busy about the kingdom of God. Be busy about being united, becoming one, building up unity in the body of Christ. Not division. Not what the right way to be baptized is. Or whether the body of Christ actually becomes the 
physical body of Christ as you take communion. Or not whether there's a, a, a rapture or whether there's a, a tribulation or when those things all coincide. Not about any of that. Not about wives' tales and genealogies. About love. About unity. About the essentials. About the kingdom of God that brings change and transformation. Binding yourselves together with peace. This binding yourselves together is a really important part. It's, it's talking about like the ligaments of the body. If you didn't have ligaments, you never would have gotten out of bed this morning. You just laid there like a slug. And some of us are spiritual slugs. Some of us, we feel like I just, I can't move. I feel, I'm not really sure how to love or where to go or whether God, it, maybe, maybe you don't even know whether they're, you have that spiritual longing, but you really don't know how to tap into any of that. Maybe you just have that want, I want to experience God. And so maybe you kind of feel like you wandered in here. And that's okay. We're glad that you're here. And I want to challenge you to find somebody in this room and say, I'm a spiritual slug. And I want to be part of the body. Love me like Christ loves me. Somebody says that to you, accept the challenge. It's an opportunity. It's a scary place. Love you like Christ loves you. You should be scared. We, we should have this amazing respect and awe of our God when he gives us the privilege of being like him that we go, oh, wow, God. I'm not worthy. There's that gap, but you are. And you are able by the infinite spirit that you offer us there is one body and one spirit just as you have been called to one glorious hope. I don't believe that God's glorious hope is that we survive this life, but that we overcome it. I don't believe that a God's glorious hope is that we simply endure suffering, but that we rejoice through it. You have been called to one glorious hope for the future. And here he's, he's referencing again the invitation. You have been given this glorious hope of this invitation, this calling, this, this opportunity to step into God's will and God's purpose. For there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. This is really interesting because he's using this, this little circle to show us uh, of, of what God is and who God is. And he says there's one God and Father. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one God and Father. And in, in another translation, everybody can be a Bible scholar these days. You go to esword.net if you have a PC, and you can download this amazing free software. You can look at the, at the manuscripts. You can see the, the, the order of the words. And, and in this verse, what he's saying, there's one God and Father of all, and over all, and through all, and in all. And what he's saying here is the God and Father of all, everyone is his creation. He's over all. When I used to read this, I used to think, oh, of course he's over all. It was kind of this, this positional thing, this authority thing. He, he, he's the ruler. He's God. No, that's not what it means. I misunderstood. Over all, it means that, that he is superimposed on the world. That means that everything that you look at, God is there. 
Romans 1 tells us like this, that, that all of creation proclaims the Godhead. That there's no thing that your eyes can look at, that your ears can hear, that your body can experience and taste and move with that does not have a taste and a feel and a look of God. He is over all. He is superimposed on the world. And even the more glorious than that for you and I is we are made in his image. Look around. The faces of these people are the, are, are the faces of the image of God. Your face is a reflection of the image of God. The way that you move and live and breathe in some sense, regardless of where you are, has the image of God. We struggle with these things. We know very good people, right? And they seem to have no need for God at all. What an amazingly gracious God that he would let people who are so far from him still be good. But every good and perfect gift, every sense of goodness and grace and mercy in the world is because there is a God, because he exists. It's amazing. He's over all. He's superimposed on the world. And then there's this, he's through all this distribution. Even those people that don't proclaim him as Lord and Savior, he still uses them to bring forth good in the world. He uses them for his purposes. Jesus even goes so far as to say that God uses the demons for his purposes. Certainly he can use people trying to do good, whether or not they desire to glorify God. But God is at work. He is reflected all throughout the world. And then this last one in, his, in this translation, it says is he, he is in all, but, but he's using this circle. He's the, he's the God and the Father of all. He is over all. He's superimposed in everything. He's working through all. He has distributed himself, striving with the world, drawing people, inviting people into relationship with him. And then it really says, God is all. Let's just say he's He's everything. In your fridge fold, you've got a couple questions, you know, going back to like second grade English. What's the subject of the sentence of your life story? What's the subject of your life story? Who is the subject of your life story? Who is it? Is it, is it, is it, is it children? There's been times when I've wrestled and, and Jael, Elijah, and Aria have been the subject of my life story. I feel like I'm living for them. Oh, I've missed the mark. Renee has been the subject of my life story. Oh, I've missed the mark. Jesus, my first love, he should be the subject of our story. Jesus, the center of everything, the only one worthy of all of my heart's affections, the only one worthy of all of the praise. Jesus. Another question, who, what are some adjectives that you use to describe your life right now? Are you in a place of, of, of longing, in a place of wanting, in a place where everything is just absolutely awesome and you're empty? In a place where your body is just broken or maybe you're actually very realistically struggling with your mortality. Someone has given you an expiration date. 
And I would say God is sufficient in all of these places. God wants to commune with you. He wants to, to come alongside of you and he wants to take those adjectives. I'm, I'm, I'm depressed or I'm weary. I'm focused. I'm happy. I'm excited about life. And he would like to make all of those things point Godward. So that even in, in a place of physical destruction, or emotional bondage, or financial burden, that God would be first and foremost, your provider, your deliverer, the source of your peace. This is what communion is all about. This glorious gift that we've been given. Another question, who's helping you on your journey? Who's helping you? Yes, Jesus is your strength. The, the Spirit of God is, is, is wanting to, to live in you, move in you, and move through you. That's the, that's the vertical, but there's also the horizontal. Who is speaking into your life? Who is loving on you? Who is the tangible hands of Christ in your life? Who do you let speak into your life to challenge you and to encourage you and to hold you? I guess you could kind of sum it up this way. You know, how are you loving God with your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength? This is really the essence of communion. How are you interacting with God in every single part of your being? Because that's what he wants. As we go to the table, Jesus gives us some words as he speaks to his disciples and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. You remember the sacrifice that he gave. By his stripes, we are healed. His wounds, we've been forgiven. And you got two opportunities here this morning in, in communion. Communion with God and communion with each other. I want to encourage you as you go to the, line, as you go to the, to the table to, to be right with God, to judge yourself, and to let God's grace and his love fill up the, up the gap that that healing, that that forgiveness, that that would bring great joy, that that would bring great celebration. And then don't go alone. That you take a brother or a sister in Christ and say, go with me. That you go to the table together as family, as bound by the blood of Jesus. Take a moment if you want. Circle up and pray together. Pray for each other. Maybe you're in that space where you're just like, you know what, I want all of these things. I have this spiritual longing. I just have no idea how to get there. Go spend some time in the back room. Pray. Ask somebody to pray for you. Ask somebody to love you. Say, I want communion. I don't want to walk out of this place the same person that I walked in. I want more. I want Jesus. This is the opportunity that we have to truly love. So I'm going to ask you, please do not line up at that table. This isn't Walmart. I'm going to ask you, do not line up at that table. There's plenty of space. There's plenty of time. There's a couple tables here. There's tables in the back. Wait for an opportunity. Go with friends. Go with God. Don't go alone. You're not alone. Part of the family.
The bread represents the body of Christ broken for us. The juice represents the blood of Christ spilled for us and washes us clean. It's a bloody image. It's not beautiful. It's not, it's not glorious. Not in man's estimation. But God said, this is what was necessary to make you right with me. I did it willingly. So I hope that as we go to the table that we just have these ideas, these truths just resounding in us so that I will be right with God because he has invited me. I will be right with each other because God has given me the strength by his spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just come to you as your people. We come to you because we want to experience you, Lord. We want to taste and see that you're good. Lord, we want to be family. We want more of you in our lives. We don't want to be weary in doing good. We don't want to do things in our own strength. Lord, we, we want to see Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would give us as individuals words to speak to you, to confess, to repent, to praise. Lord, that you would give us words to each other to encourage and to edify and to equip us to move forward. Lord, that we would be your hands, that we would be your body, that we would be united today in your spirit. And that the echoes of what happens today in our own lives and in our community will resound into the future and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Your kingdom come. Amen. Amen.